Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey everybody, let me talk to you here for a second. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Here, let me explain real quick. First off, it's free. That is the best word in the English language. Free. There's also a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. That's big. I mean, huge for brand new podcasters. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchorfm.com to get started. Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. is your main event marks podcast brought to you by the unhinged sports network i'm your first host lifelong wrestling fan former radio guy and cat dad troy and with me today very special guest he is the mr fuji to my yokozuna bonsai it's mr warren hayes from the mr warren hayes show what's up man how you doing troy thank you very much for for having me on the show i'm doing great excited to be here don't I don't have a chance to talk about uh, classic wrestling all that much, so I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, no problem, man. Uh, real quick before we start here, I'm going to see. I don't know if this is going to come across on audio, but uh, I had to open my first beer of the night. My, oh, there you my, go. My uh, work is done cracking the beer, so there we go. Uh, <laughs> going to have some fun on the show today. So tell us a little bit about your show, The Mr. Warren Hayes Show. <laughs> 
So I do. Uh, I well, I look. Go figure. I do a wrestling podcast, and I record it live every every Thursday night uh, over on YouTube.com/slash Mr. Warren Hayes. So uh, every Thursday night, 9 p.m., I uh, I sit up and I talk about uh, the the big things in wrestling, the things that interested me. You know, I don't necessarily cover everything nitty gritty. I don't talk about all the matches or everything that happened, like on Raw and Dynamite and Impact and stuff. But you know, the things that interested me, the the the, the big talking points. That's what I go over, have a good time doing it. Every Thursday is when I record. Otherwise, and you can watch it on YouTube or on your favorite podcast app as well on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. So it's a good time. Yeah, and I've been doing it for a few years. Not not going to stop anytime soon. I'll tell you that much. Cool. Uh, and you said you go live on Thursdays or yes. do you post it on Thursdays? No, I go live on Thursdays. So I, I just it's into the deep end. <laughs> and I get, okay. I get, and and th- there are people who join me live, uh, and uh, and I chat with them as we go along, and interact with them. It's a, yeah, no, it's that's a good, fun. it's a good time. Yeah, I'm pretty, I, I enjoy it. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't still be doing it if I didn't have fun. That's for damn sure. I'll tell you that. So, what time Thursday do you go live? 9 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, awesome. Then, for all of you out there, uh, if you are. Listening on the podcast feed, we actually go live on the Unhinged Sports Network on Wednesdays. All right, we do have a replay on Thursday night, starts at 8 p.m., but you could catch us live every Wednesday at 8 p.m., same time as Dynamite usually starts, but, uh, you know, that's been moving around now because of the NBA. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so 8 p.m., uh, and for, for my co-host Greg, who's on the West Coast, it is uh, 5 p.m., uh, Pacific time, and then we have a replay right after at 9:30. So check that out. And yes, we are on uh, our first encore uh, of Thursday. Will is is on uh, at 8 p.m. And then yeah, check out Mr. Warren Hayes at 9 p.m. on YouTube. And I'll have his links down in the podcast description if you are listening on the podcast feed. And if you want to catch us, by the way, on the Unhinged Sports Network, it is free internet radio for everybody out there. I just want to put that out. It is unhingedsn.airtime.pro. And check us out. And again, uh, Mr. Warren Hayes' links will be down in the podcast description. But anyway, getting to the uh, the show here, uh, just letting everybody know that we are sponsored by Fubo TV and Fanatics. If you want to cut the cord, Fubo TV is the way to do it. And Fanatics is where you can go to get your officially licensed sports swag from all the sports you know and love, whether it be professional or the NCAA. Click on the links down in the show description if you're listening on the podcast feed. Let them know that the main event marks and Unhinged Sports Network sent you. Please subscribe and leave a nice five-star review if you are listening on the podcast feed. And we are going to take our first break. When we come back, it's all the news and notes. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. What's up, everybody? It's Jimmy. And Nico from the Fire on the Bench podcast. We just wanted to give a big one-year shout-out to our friends, the main event marks on the Unhinged Sports Network, and we can't wait to see what happens in year two. If you smell what main events is cooking. Get all the best podcast swag from the main event marks. Our merch shop offers custom graphics, including the podcast logo on hats, 
shirts, masks, greeting cards, and more. There are tons of new designs with more dropping all the time. Just head on over to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main event marks to grab your podcast merch today and become an official main event mark. That's redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash main event marks. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. News and notes time. You ready to dive into this, man? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. 1993, June of 1993 to be exact. Rumors are running rampant about what would prompt Vince McMahon to step down as president of the WWF and turn power over to Linda, especially what with a grand jury investigation into the company ongoing. Titan spokesman Steve, I'm going to butcher this name, but Steve Planameta, Armenta, whatever, either way, brushed off the gossip by saying, quote, it's not as big a deal as people are making it out to be. People are reading things into this that aren't there, end quote. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know your exact age, but uh, how old were you around this time? Old enough to understand that it was a load of crap. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I remember. I remember this for sure. Nothing obviously happened. Uh, but have you heard the the uh, the rumors about when he brought in Jerry Jarrett? People claim that he was going to hand the company over to him. Yeah, I've heard those rumors. I can't possibly imagine. Right. Jerry Jarrett being. Come on. Like, yeah, I, I, I can't possibly see that happen uh, the, for sure. The, like, the smartest move was just be like, no, the CEO, I'm stepping down. CEO of the company is uh, Linda McMahon. She's duly appointed by, you know, a fair vote, whatever. It's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. But at <laughs> least at least that makes sense. Well, and plus, he had an infrastructure in, in place to book the cards and keep the show going, you know? Sure. Like, I mean, obviously, he had final say over everything, but everybody else was doing their job at this time he was just the top guy saying yep that's good or nope change it Mm -hmm. so i mean why did why would he need jerry jarrett linda would just be there to keep operations running that's all she would be needed for if anything you know wrestling has always been a business of liars right it's always been a business (laughs) of smoke smoke and mirrors we were all led to believe in our young, young age that Jack Tunney was the president of WWF. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, I mean, of course, this, you know, it, it would require a little more subterfuge. But if, you know, if you wanted to bring in 
Jerry Jarrett as the the puppet or the mouthpiece, pretty sure that would have been fine. I mean, at that point, Jerry Jarrett wasn't doing much from that, if memory serves me right. Can you imagine those Jerry Jarrett promos? Well, you know, huh? Well, Hogan, well, you know, huh? You gotta, well, you know, defend the title, huh? <laughs> like, I can't. That's the only thing. <laughs> and and Vince is always he he doesn't like the southern accent for Oh, I know. Probably very very um Freudian reasons, let's put it that way, you know. Yeah. Um, he was raised but, in the south. So. Yeah. You know, so and you know, story with his father and whatnot. So, you know, probably right. you know, he probably just has a natural dislike, you know. But I mean, it w- it would have been something. But Jared was running the USWA at that point. And they, yeah. they did have a talent exchange program set up with the WWF. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it was uh, closer than we think it was, but it ju- it's just hilarious to me. My favorite story about that relationship was when uh, they were setting up that relationship with Vince and Jerry comes into the locker room and and says, well, we're going to work for Vance, so all y'all better be off steroids. And Dutch, Man- <laughs> and, and Dutch Mantell was in the in the locker room. He said, well, damn, Jerry, the way you're paying us, we can't even afford to be on food. <laughs> that was that was my favorite story. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> and, and the thing with the Jerry Jarrett WWF thing is all the people involved that will actually talk about it can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. Because on one hand, you've got Jim, Jim Cornette, who's pro Jerry and sucks up to Jerry and loves everything Jerry's ever done. And then on the other hand, you've got Bruce Pritchard, who hates Jerry, can't say one nice thing about Jerry other than, oh, you know, he kept his nice little territory running in his in his little little tiny area. And he sold out the one little arena every week. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, for God's sake. So you can't trust either one of these guys when they talk about it because they're both jaded. Yeah. Regardless, NBC is already working on a major story about the wrestling business based on whether or not charges are actually filed against Vince McMahon. They've actually been contacting all the ex-WWF guys currently in WCW, but no one has cooperated yet. The feeling seems to be that it's better not to burn your bridges with the WWF, especially since WCW is, quote, on a train headed nowhere at the moment. Yeah, I'd say. Mm hmm. In 93, at least. Yes, very much so. Man, WCW 93 was kind of boring, I'm going to say. Greg and I, I remember this one specifically because last October we were going to review Halloween Havoc 1993. We'd watched the show. I gathered the notes. We sat down. We recorded the show. And we said, that sucked. Let's scrap it. (laughs) (laughs) It just and I've never done that before. We've covered some awful shows. And for anybody, that was Cactus Jack Invader, right? Yes. Okay. And that was uh, the only semi-entertaining thing on the show, really. So other than that, it, uh, yeah, the show kind of sucked. Right. So if anybody wants to go back and watch that thing, it just it was it was just boring. It wasn't anything like, oh my gosh, that's so you know hilariously bad. Because we've covered that and we've made it entertaining. This was just it was boring. And even the news around it was kind of boring. So well, we were just I mean, like, eh. We know at this point, especially through all of Eric Bischoff's stories, you know, WCW hadn't been making real money for years, right? Oh, they yeah. Been, they, they had been losing money. Um, they had been losing money off of their, uh, off of house shows. I mean, look, I'm just pulling up here. 
Halloween Havoc 1993, an attendance of 6,000 people. Yeah, right. That's not great, Troy. You know, and nope. and uh, I, you know, I also believe that WCW had a more regional feel to it, as opposed to Vince, who was going all out to really make it feel like it was an international product that uh, that it w- could be seen across borders, so on and so forth. Felt like there was a lot more cash going into the WWF. Let's not forget that the like the new generation era had just started and it, we weren't like we hadn't hit the lows of the new generation era yet. The 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 steroid tri- steroid trial cost them what, like five million dollars in fees? Ultimately, yeah, like good. that's a I mean, that's a hell of a, a hell of a kick. Not WWE today. That's making two hundred million dollars a year just broadcasting their show on one network one once a week. You know, in 1992, 1993, WWE, five million bucks. You kidding me? That, that, oh, that's got to hurt. So they were not in a good position. Um, my, but my point being is that leading up to this, WWF was on a was on a roll. And we're on a roll. The WrestleMania, like WrestleMania had become a, a, a pop culture phenomenon. Well, now in the archives, if anybody wants to go check it out, uh, we covered earlier this year, we covered uh, WrestleMania 8, which was from 1992. That was the Macho Flair affair. And it also had uh, not this match was great, but the match, uh, the the night closed on Hogan and Sid. Mm -hmm. So uh, that I mean, they were running high. That was a great WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. So if anybody goes back and checks that out, I I don't remember. WrestleMania 9 was here. It was historically bad. Uh, WrestleMania 1993 was just kind of a bad year in wrestling period. <laughs> it was. <But> <laughs> it it had some highlights, which we're going to cover here on this show for sure. So don't tune out yet. Uh, but speaking of Hulk Hogan, his numbers continue to drop at a disappointing rate. His show against Money or shows against Money Inc have been drawing in the 3,000 range, which means that his name basically means nothing at this point. Well, about that. I mean. It, <laughs> It meant nothing. Well, I'm not even going to say it meant nothing in WWE, but it, it was it, his stock was dropping in WWF, but he was going to go to WCW, pop big numbers for them. And then uh, the worm would start to turn within a year, I'd say. By 95, people were like, uh, Hogan. By early 96, they were definitely like, uh, Hogan. And then by the end of 96, he was the biggest star in the business again. Mm hmm. And even Uncle Dave Meltzer was counting him out, counting out the Hulkster, saying he was done, pack it up, go home. Nobody cares about Hulk Hogan. And he showed him, man. Can you imagine WWE booking or creative, whatever you want to call it, ruining a top star? What? Oh, what? yeah. Well, well, it was just when you've had so much Hogan for years and years and years. Not only so much mm-hmm. you can take. But I mean, when you think of like hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? But yeah. like when when you go back and you look at it, and you, you look at Hogan and his the type of run that he had, and you look at John Cena who had a very Hogan esque type of push as well, and Roman up to recently, like I mean, this is it's a formula for Vince. Yeah, you know, he was able to escape that. One can wonder, because we always wonder, oh, what if Steve Austin had never been injured, right? What if, what if right. Owen never did the pile driver, right? Yeah. How, how things would have turned out for him. 
Um, yeah, exactly. You know, people always think, oh, he could have done so much more, but maybe he would have ended maybe in the same boat where you're like, man, I'm so sick of seeing Steve Austin at this point. And he's right. always in the top. He's always in a top spot, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, live fast, die young, leave a good looking, looking corpse. Of course, I don't want no one to die, but that's the sentiment <laughs> right. here. It's like, right. and it's the same, same thing with The Rock. The Rock was like, you know what? I'm done with wrestling. I'm going to do something else. Yeah, they both they both left before people got sick of them. And that's probably what pissed off Vince ultimately, yep. where he's like, well, I'm going to stop building like superstars and I'm going to put the brand forward because all of these sons of bitches, they're they're hitting the dirt. They're, they're going away because <laughs> look, Vince's gamble on sports entertainment was ultimately to not have to pay the sports commissions. To, to to have their shows. That was the that was the gambit in calling it sports entertainment and saying no no it's, yeah. it, it, it it's like soap operas and everything. So what do you think happens to the wrestlers there? They're like oh we're like soap operas. Oh, yeah. Well maybe I can try some acting gigs and 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 the minute that the entertainment industry starts to uh, like this opens up and they're like well wrestling is fixed it's not a real sport it's it's fixed it's put together it's choreographed it's stories. Well, it's like, well, then you can cross into into media as well. Like, so now it's not just a question of Vince doesn't want you to go work for WCW. It's like, and so you're like, oh, I'm afraid Vince won't take me back. It's like, no, I can go off. I can record albums. I can go. I can do like Chris Jericho and start a band. I can. Yeah. I can do like The Rock and get a movie career or Batista. We don't need Vince at some point. And that I think is the kind of thing that fuels. Vince into building the WWE as a brand before creating big stars because he's like, they're all going to abandon me anyway. They're all going to make money elsewhere. Yep. I, I get it. And people, people have talked about that and speculated about that in the past. And I mean, it's, it could be true. You never know. Of course we're all, we're only speculating, but it makes sense. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Well, Shawn Michaels regained the Intercontinental title from Marty Jannetty on a house show on June 6th in <laughs> Albany in a title change that surprised no one. Shawn you know, when, the, when you lose, hit. sorry, when, you know something's, you know, you know Vince has something, uh, has something bad for your career set up when you're losing your titles on house shows. You know Vince has it in for you. There's, there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always hate that, like, I, I hate it more when it's stuff like, uh, oh, the one I always remember is Raven was the NWA champion right before uh, TN, TNA went to uh, Spike. Sure. And that was, like, the big thing. And right when they found out, oh, we're going to Spike, and they, I guess they had pre-recorded TVs too far out or something like that, so... At a house show in Canada, they decided, well, we can't go on to Spike with Raven on top. We've got to give the title to Jeff Jarrett. So they had somebody with a crappy 2006 camera phone recording Jarrett pinning Raven for the NWA title at a house show in Canada so that he could show up on the first episode of Impact on Spike as the champion. As like, for God's sake. (laughs) <laughs> just whatever but yeah this one uh well sean won the title with the help of his new bodyguard kevin nash who uh, 
actually went to Ole Anderson earlier in the week and demanded a raise or else. This resulted in his WCW contract being cut short. Nash knows what he's doing. Yeah. And he's not a stupid man. No. I can't say I've always, you know, agreed with everything he did. But you know what? I've always been a mark for him for whatever reason. And he's never put on a five-star match in his life. But I've always been a fan. He's never put on a five-star match in his life. And he's always (laughs) gotten paid. My favorite quote of his was, I don't know what this was off of, but he was being recorded when he was driving down the road one day. And he said, Sean wanted to be a wrestler. I wanted to be rich. There you go. That makes sense. Yeah. I got to send everybody back to our last week's episode. He was on uh, 2006's TNA Slammiversary. He took on uh, Chris Saban. Somebody in the crowd had a sign that said, Kevin Nash, ow my quad. Yeah, no. I was going to say, you know, I don't think there's anyone in the history of anything who has made so much money uh, with blown out knees like yeah. he had. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Good on okay. him, though. Yeah, I know. Well, going from Shawn Michaels to somebody who's obviously, you know, light years ahead of him, and we all remember him better. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, Rick Martell has been working some shows underneath trying to get his job back with the WWF. I kid, I'm a Rick Martell fan. And oh, you being, me too. Yeah, I was going to say, you being Canadian, I'm sure you like him. Rick Martell is from my hometown. Like, I, oh, my wow. first exposures, my first exposure to wrestling is through um, Andre the Giant and Gino Brito's uh, te- uh, promotion called International Wrestling, or Lutte Internationale, based out of Montreal, the Montreal territory, basically. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, Ricky Martel, as he was known in the day, because you put a Y at the end of Rick to make him a baby face, right? He was, yeah, he right. was the ultimate, you know, white meat, smiling, kiss the baby's baby face. Was uh, is Dino Bravo there? Was that yes. the one? Here's okay. the thing. Like, like I, I'm from Quebec City, uh, and you probably know more about Montreal, right? Which is one of the biggest cities in the country. Quebec yeah. City and Montreal have a rivalry. Because we're like, we're, we're too, you know, just uh, for a bunch of reasons, sports teams, <laughs> we, we, we had pro NHL teams, you know, so there's been, a, gotcha. there's been a rivalry between Quebec City and Montreal for years. Uh, Dino Bravo was the Montreal babyface and Ricky Martel was the Quebec City babyface. So, oh, wow. so like there were still babyfaces, but when it was time for them to lock up, it was a big deal. And it was like, you know, Dino Bravo, Dino Bravo representing Montreal. And uh, Ricky Martel from Quebec City. And so, so, you know, if they were if they wrestled at the forum in Montreal, well, then everyone was like pro Bravo. But let's say they'd wrestle in the Coliseum in Quebec City. Uh, then it's you know, you'd have uh, everyone was would be cheering for, for Martel. I even met him oh, when wow. I was because I was a, I was a, I was a lad. I was a kid and he was. But I mean, my mother was volunteering at a at a food drive one year and I was helping out. And at some point. He arrives and he's and he's doing the work, you know, like he's lifting crates and unpacking boxes of food and canned goods and putting them in bags and whatnot. And like I'm like, I, I don't remember. I must have been like 10 years old or something like that. I'm like, it's Rick Martel. It's Rick Martel. And my mom <laughs> says, let's let's go say hello to him. I'm like, no, mom, no. But she's like, yeah, yeah. So she brings me over. You know, I wouldn't say drag. You know, I was putting on an act, but I was kind of excited. And I go up to him and. And she says he's he's a huge fan of yours, and he bends down and he shuffles, you know, ruffles my hair. And I don't remember what he wow. told me, 
probably something like stay in school, kid, you know, something like that. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, oh, it was a big deal. I bet. Yeah. Wow. And as a kid, I wasn't much of a fan of his because, I mean, he I started watching wrestling in late 97, I want right. to say. So sure. he was I think he might have been. He's still in WCW at that point. I think I think he was on the tail end of a very nondescript run in WCW. Yes. Yeah, he was he was a lot better than people gave him credit for, and I'll say he. Uh, I don't know. Looking back, I feel like he should have done more, but I, I mean that's that's you know subjective. Sure. And and but I agree. I, I think he was I like, he was a, he was a fantastic heel. Well, I, I oh yeah, the model stuff was great. Yeah. And. Even before that, I love I love Strike Force. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they come out to was that the one they came out to Girls in Cars? Or that was the one? Girls in Cars. Yeah. Absolutely. My God. Yeah. Because if you want to get a, an act over, that's the song. <laughs> I remember the video quite well. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> that's uh, so cheesy. Uh, but anyway, uh, this next one going from you know somebody who. Probably should have done more to some overachievers here. The Harlem Knights debuted on TV as the men on a mission doing a rapper mm-hmm. gimmick. Mm-hmm. For those that don't remember, that was uh, King Mabel or soon, excuse me, just Mabel and Mo and Oscar, I guess. So M-O-M, Mabel, Oscar, Mo, men on a mission. And in the, and in the meantime, uh, over what was it in Smoky Mountain, they had. They had the gangsters, right? They had New Jack. <laughs> yeah. You know, yep. if you're if you're going like for, you know, stereotypical black um, African American uh, gimmicks, you know, you're, you're you're getting one which is hitting much more closer to reality. It, it you know it's the equivalent of you know, uh, the NWA like the band versus uh, MC Hammer. You know, that's basically <laughs> the equivalent. Yeah. Well, this was, uh, and the difference was, I, I like the gangsters weren't good wrestlers either. But man, oh, Mabel. Oh, okay. Well, if you're gonna count him, okay. Yeah. He was the wrestler. Okay. Well, he was the wrestler of the group. When I think the gangsters, I think uh, Mustafa and and uh, New Jack. But sure. they were, they sucked. Especially New Jack. <laughs> not speak ill of the dead, but he sucked. Uh, and and I don't think I'm not re- I'm not speaking ill of him. I'm just saying. He had sure. no wrestling talent. <laughs> and same thing with Mabel. I'm not speaking of him as a person. He sucked. He yeah, was horrible. He was really bad. He was really bad. Anyway, let's see if you remember this guy. There's a newspaper article profiling college basketball star Ron Reese, who is a legit seven feet tall and is training with Big John Studd for a mm-hmm. career in wrestling, as a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the WWF is aware of him, Uncle Dave Meltzer notes that he probably can't be any worse than Giant Gonzalez, but being trained by Stud means that he won't be much better. Well, n- n- like what can what could Big John Stud teach you uh, outside big... of outside of how to not be shanked in the locker room? <laughs> wow, yeah, uh, <laughs> body slam, uh, big boot, yeah. elbow drop, maybe. You know, I mean, <laughs> he's poor guy. <laughs> yeah. Ron Reese, uh, for those, those that don't know, actually debuted his his wrestling career started. He was Big Ron Stud. <laughs> yes, Big Ron Stud. Correct. Yeah. 
But I think and, we all know him more for something else. Yes. If well, uh, we unfortunately it's not in the archives, right? You know, we have not covered the show, but he uh, debuted at Halloween Havoc 1995 as the Yeti. Wait, don't you mean the Super Giant Ninja? I think that came after, didn't it? Yeah, it did. No, that's yeah. the that's the joke. Like that's uh-huh. that's how they they. <laughs> He like he did he did the yeti, the, the you yeti. know yeti, yeah. and 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 then they changed his thing so that he wore a ninja mask, but they still called yes. him the yeti, yes, or the yeti, and then yeah, later he, his name was changed to the super giant ninja. Yeah, yeah. If anybody goes back, World War Three, 1995, the very first World War Three, he is called the yeti. But he is dressed like an effing ninja. So there's that. Uh, but, the, yeah, I'll, I'll always remember when he came out calling himself the Yeti, dressed like a mummy, and he butt-fucked Hulk Hogan on pay-per-view. <laughs> that, that's pretty much it. That's yep. pretty much it. Yeah, it, um, oh, man. That was something. Anyway, moving on. Uh, in WCW, Bill Shaw created a new drug policy to replace the previous policy from Cowboy Bill Watts. If you're using HGH, tainted supplements, diuretics, and or steroids, you're going to rehab. Then you'll be fired if you get caught again. Testing will be random based on, quote, reasonable suspicion, and urine samples will be monitored for potential tampering. Mm. Hmm. Well, according to Eric Bischoff, during his regime, they did pop a few people. But during this time, I don't know how strict they were about it. It's hard to say. Like, these policies were extremely porous uh, for yeah. for a long time. You know, there's a lot of things that could slip through. Uh, that's a really good – I mean, look, if Eric Bischoff is on his podcast and he's, you know, not singling out, oh, we've, you know, we found this guy and that guy and fired him or suspended him or so on and so forth – uh, probably a lot of blind eyes were turned, you know? Yeah, I know I think, he said I think they popped a, a few I, people. I but think that's fair. Yeah, this stuff, uh, I mean, I believe Davy Boy Smith was, a, if he wasn't there already, he was about to be there. Uh, so there's that. I think Sid was over in WWF at this point. So, mm. or was it, was he in 93 or had he gone um, back? I, th- I think he was still here. I think he was still in WCW. You mean? Yeah, or, I think uh, so too. I don't think he. I don't think he had quite been. Don't think he was quite signed yet. Okay, he popped up in WCW in May. So. So he, okay, he, we're on the cusp. Yeah, so he literally just showed up in WCW. Right. So, okay. There we go. It's a hell of a time for him to pop up with new drug policies. I mean, uh, look, I'm not saying he did something, but I'm not saying he didn't do nothing. All right. No, that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's 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 the assumption right there. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to use my my one fourth Italian when I say, look, I, I, I'm i not saying he did it, but I'm not saying he didn't. You know, I'm not saying <laughs> nothing. All right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Shane Douglas did an embittered interview with a wrestling newsletter about his exit from WCW. He claims that WCW has a steroid problem and that he's done with the business and will be going back to teaching full time. Also, lots of top talent will be leaving WCW in the coming months and going to the WWF. Well, I don't know about that second part, but 
Shane did not go back to being a teacher full time. He went to ECW for a bit. Mm -hmm. And then he would, for whatever effing reason, go to WWF after they told him he was going to be Dean Douglas. Yep. So uh, Um, I I hope not much prescience there on, you know, on Shane's part, you know, but but I'm sure this is all Ric Flair's fault in some form or another. It's all Ric Flair's fault. Is Shane Shane Douglas is a weird case for me because I've always been a huge mark for him, but it's like it's the Bret Hart thing where I'll never not be a huge fan of Bret Hart, but my God, he's a whiner. Shane is. I, I that's the thing though. Is it, Shane's Shane's gimmick in ECW. What got him over is is essentially uh, talking smack about the bigger companies, right? Yeah, the bigger yep, stars. Fit right in. And that's essentially, you know, and ECW was, you know, it was a gonzo wrestling promotion. It was like counterculture. We're not mainstream, you know, so he fit right in. That was his thing. He played the crowd and he did it really well. That he did. Yeah. And I was and it's weird for me because, as I mentioned, I'm a Cleveland sports fan and he's a Pittsburgh guy. So I I should hate him, but I don't. (laughs) Uh, Same thing with Kurt Angle. I should hate him, but I'm a fan. That's hard to, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, but yeah, Shane's always had a soft spot in my heart. I don't know why, but yeah, this was um, a weird time for Mr. Douglas. At you know, there were a lot of weird times. I think Shane's career was a weird time. Sure. I'll just say, I mean, you look at this, the Dean Douglas thing, the uh, I just recently noticed. Greg and I have noticed looking back at these shows. It seemed like towards. Like the ha- the end of his career, he always had some kind of hand or 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 uh, uh, wrist injury of some sort. So he was always in some sort of form of cast there towards the last few years of his career. And then he goes to TNA, and I guess nothing other than the death of his you know one of his best friends. I mean, his career-wise, nothing terrible happened, but he was in TNA, so I, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it, it's it, it's a curious it, that his legacy is very is very mixed for a guy who worked everywhere, right? Yeah. It's like that's it. It's it will always be. I don't want to say tainted, but um, his bitterness will always cast a shadow on his accomplishments. Right. That. And well, and I forgot to point out uh, around the time of him always wearing a cast, uh, the whole Viagra on a pole thing he did in WCW, which was something and then uh you know when he was supposedly supposed to be a part of that package with the radicals and they were gonna all go together and get interviewed by the wwf and then they never called shane and kind of abandoned him right right i agree so that uh he's some some weird stuff with him man (laughs) (laughs) but you know here here's the guy i was thinking about earlier you know when when we're talking about real stars we we got to talk about this guy here Paul Roma debuted as a baby face in WCW <laughs> and the crowd chanted, we want Tully at him throughout the whole show. <laughs> oh God. Well, can you blame them? Uh, <laughs> what? Well, come on, Warren. It, this, this was the guy who Ric Flair wishes he was. Yeah. Oh, I, that's what, yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> he, for people that don't know, he debuted. Uh, that don't get the joke. He debuted. I, I, well, I think he debuted, and then he he was brought on to a flare for the gold as the new Horseman member. 
Yeah. That didn't last very long, obviously. And in an interview, a shoot interview, he claims, well, it, it didn't work out because, you know, Ric Flair was jealous of him. He wanted to be Paul Roma. <laughs> and Triple H had the perfect burial for him after he was like, I don't know, I was watching and I was like, Paul Roma? You mean the job guy from WWE? <laughs> like, oh, man. Poor guy. And Paul, I'll say this, Paul looked good, and he was not a bad wrestler. But yeah. nobody cared. Mm-hmm. It's just it that was, he, he just didn't have a connection with the fans. Sometimes it just happens. Last couple of stories here, wrapping up with uh, WCW, was... There have been a lot of complaints from TBS viewers about the Cactus Jack escaped from a mental hospital skit on WCW Saturday night, which was a horribly offensive parody of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and basically made the whole Cactus Jack angle into a complete farce. I don't know. I thought it was fun. I I have trouble remembering it. Um, I don't remember but, the know, whole thing. Like, like this, you know, it's not new that wrestling will attempt things and will get, you know, the attention of media and be like, oh, they shouldn't have done this or people, you know, it was maybe a little less commonplace back yeah. back then because social media just wasn't around. But um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Pillman in the gun. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, Pillman's got a gun. Yes. Yeah. Pillman, so, you know, it's. It, to me, it's kind of part and parcel with with wrestling, especially in the 90s, like especially in the 90s, as we move forward to the to the 2000s, that kind of stuff just happened more regularly than anything else. Cue the Greta Thunberg. Uh, how dare you? How dare you? But yeah, I don't know. He Cactus Jack, this this whole thing. I don't remember the whole thing, but I think this led into the Lost in Cleveland skit. Uh, where they went out searching for him and he was like living with uh, homeless people and, and whatever. And yeah, he I, lost think so. I think you're right. That sounds, yeah. Mick Foley is one of them people. And, and I know Conrad Thompson has been on a, uh, a soapbox about this for a, a, over a year now, but he said, you know, Mick Foley's one of them names. People don't mention on the Mount Rushmore's, but damn it. He's got to be in consideration. Yeah. No, Mick is amazing. I think the main thing with Mick is how much of a good guy he is. Yeah. You, you sure. never, ever, ever hear anyone say, Mick Foley, that son of a bitch. You know, I got to hate that guy. Everyone who's ever worked with him, everyone backstage is like, no, Mick is the greatest guy. He's just genuine and so on and so forth. And he is. Like he, I, I've never met him, but he seems like the nicest freaking dude. Mm-hmm. He really is. He really yeah. genuinely is. He's, uh, he's an amazing, as a human being, top notch. Yeah, but uh, yeah, last story here. Uh, it's funny to transition from Cactus Jack into this guy, given the year. But Big Van Vader is currently in a hospital, quote, somewhere in the Ozarks area, with a, <laughs> with a pinched nerve in the back as it went out in a match against Davy Boy Smith, and it was initially feared that he was paralyzed. Despite the minor setback, he'll be at the clash. Which, by the way, has been cut to two hours by TBS. I don't know which clash they're talking about or whatever, but I mean, thankfully uh, it wasn't anything serious. But you know, you gotta appreciate, like somewhere in the Ozarks. Yeah, <laughs> it's the most, it's 
the most pro wrestling thing, you know. It's like what he's he's rehabilitating somewhere in the Appalachians. That's fantastic. Yeah, right. Yeah, they should have they they should have kayfabed it. Like you know you know Vince McMahon, he would have saw this article. He's like, God dang it, he's in the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, he would have been saying that. Oh, this was the the Clash of the Champions twenty three, which. Okay. If anybody's uh, just as an aside, if anybody has recently watched, did you, do you watch Dark Side of the Ring? Yes, absolutely. Okay, we always got to get a mention in on seems like every damn podcast. Uh, but if you watch the Brian Pillman episode or episodes, this was the one. The main event was Ric Flair versus uh, and Arn Anderson versus the Hollywood Blondes for the NWA World Tag Team Titles and the WCW Tag Team Titles. Mm-hmm. And it was two out of three falls and. Uh, that was one where they said it kind of flopped and uh, didn't do as well as they wanted it to, and they blamed the blondes. So, well, I always blame the blondes, regardless. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Well, and this what Vader was doing on the show is he was in a six-man tag. It was him, Sid Vicious, and Rick Rude taking on Dustin Rhodes, Sting, and Davy Boy Smith. Right. So there you go. But anyway, that does it for the news and notes. You ready to talk about King of the Ring? Yeah. Yeah, we've Let's uh go right we've, ahead. We've we've put it off and we've put it off as we transition into the break here before we get into the show. Want to remind everybody we are live every Wednesday at 8 p.m. on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. The replay is right after these are Eastern Standard Times, by the way. The replay is right after at 9:30 p.m. And then we have a replay at 8 p.m. the next night and I believe 9 p.m. on Fridays. So uh, check us out. Replays all the time. We try to let you know on social media uh, whenever we are playing live. And if you're listening on the podcast feed, please subscribe and review. We'll be right back after this break with King of the Ring 1993, the first one. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. How's it going, main event marks universe? This is Jacob Grandi, always reporting from wrestling with wrestling.com and the Dragon Suplex Podcasting Network of the Curtain Jerkin Podcast. I just got to say congratulations for the one year anniversary of main event marks. Congratulations to one year. Here's a, to a thousand more. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah. yeah the mother, same mother and father. Your room was... Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we so go maybe. way back, mate. Yeah. yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do, we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The... Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, well. What do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O... Yeah, 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 yeah. The ending. Yeah, it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the broadcast podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Absolutely, mate. Take it easy. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. 
They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy services main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on youtube now back to the show all right we are back it is time for wwf king of the ring 1993 took place june 13th 1993 the tagline who will be king be a part of the coronation. The venue was at the Nutter Center in, yeah, Dayton, Ohio. The attendance was a sellout of 6,500, which leads me to believe that they just, uh, I, I don't know, if maybe they've built onto it since then, because the Nutter Center, as it stands now, holds over 10,000. Uh, okay, yeah, they so, probably did. Yeah, because I'm like, <laughs> Either that or they just uh, set up so much equipment that it took 4,000 seats out of the equation. I don't know. But it was a legit sellout, apparently. The pay-per-view buy rate was, uh, well, they had 245,000 buys. So it was okay. Not great. Not bad. Uh, This is actually the lowest attendance of any King of the Ring event ever. So there you go. The buy the buy rate, however, was the highest of any King of the Ring event until 1999. So maybe I was wrong about it not being great. So I don't know. <laughs> Either way, uh, Vince McMahon kicks off the event by shouting at us in the opening promo, welcoming us to the heartland of America. Yes. And running down tonight's card. And by God, they cram that heartland of America thing home. Oh, God, did they ever. I'm, I like, was like, it, yeah, you, you you couldn't miss it. <laughs> it's like you guys just not want to say Dayton because they just kept saying we're in the heartland of America. Like like uh, when they were in Saudi Arabia, they kept saying, oh, we're in the crown jewel. Yeah. Like, OK, I don't know what it is with him and the gimmick names for locations. Either way, uh, our three man announce table is a bit odd. It's Jim Ross, Bobby Heenan and the macho man, Randy Savage. As they're talking they can barely be heard because the sold out crowd is thunderous for this one. They're very, they're very into it. It's good stuff. Yes. I wish they were still like that because the last time I went to any show at Dayton, they were so boring, <laughs> dead, boring. Same thing with Cincinnati crowds. They used to be raucous back in the eighties and nineties as well. Now you go to a, I went to a raw in Cincinnati. I literally yelled out, to the crowd i went you guys are so boring <laughs> that must have gone over well yeah no nobody gave a damn i got like a couple oh, looks at me they, they look back at me like eh, and then they shrugged. went back to not caring shrugged it off it's like whatever yeah. well this first match is a king of the ring quarterfinals match it is razor ramon and brett the hitman heart went about 10 and a half minutes 
Brett was limping due to an ankle injury he sustained coming into the show. I said about the match, he seemed a bit off on his game in this one. It picked up towards the end, though. Uh, in the end, Razor goes for a super back suplex, but Brett turns around and lands on Razor for the win. Mm-hmm. Uncle Dave gave it three stars. I only gave it two and a half. What say you? I'd say approximately the same thing. Um well, I I give it a three. I say out of five. I, I what I really liked about the match was uh, the it's just a basic story of one guy using his power versus the other guy trying to uh, trying to use like his expertise, his knowledge of wrestling to take him down. And I thought that meshed right. really well together. Razor was just taken completely out of his element, and uh, uh, and. Bret Hart looked great. I thought I thought they had a pretty good match together, you know. And that's the interesting thing, you know. As much as Bret hated and the Click hated Bret and Bret hated the Click, they were able to have good to great matches with each other, you know. Oh and yeah. This this was no exception right here. This was I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good opener, a really good opener actually. Yeah, some people say that uh, you know Bret versus Diesel was uh, you know one of the matches of the year of uh, WWF in '95. So. Because and and that show and not that the match was bad, the match was great, but that shows you the low bar for match of the year in '95. So, at mm-hmm. least in the WWF. Sure. But we get highlights from WWF superstars where the Undertaker is fighting with Giant Gonzalez. We all love and remember that feud fondly. Uh, but behind his back, Mr. Hughes lays out Paul Bearer and attacks the Undertaker with the urn, laying him out as well. You know, I'm always buckled in for amazing action when when you see Giant Gonzalez and Mr. Hughes. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm buckled in for awesomeness. Strap in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, five <laughs> stars. But this next match, we get Mr. Hughes with Harvey Whippleman taking on uh, Mr. Perfect. By the way, he's not yet Dr. Harvey Whippleman. That's that's coming. But this was uh, another quarterfinals match in the King of the Ring tournament. What about six minutes? It's a battle of who's the better mister, Mr. Hughes or <laughs> Mr. Perfect. So, <laughs> but Mr. Hughes still has Undertaker's urn from, for this match. Halfway through, Bret Hart comes out or comes up in a picture-in-picture picture to say he'd rather wrestle Mr. Perfect in the next round. Just hilarious. Yeah, yeah just, okay. These picture-in-pictures sucked, by the way, throughout the night. They only did it twice, but yeah. yeah, it's just like they had nothing to add. Uh, in the end, Mr. Hughes grabbed the urn and blasts Mr. Perfect with it for the disqualification. This sucked. Uncle Dave said, quote, Perfect sold big, but Hughes has nothing to offer, end quote. He gave it a star and a quarter. I gave it a star and a half. What say you? Oh, I I think I think this match was a dud, and it breaks your heart because, <laughs> you know, Kurt Hennig is in there. But he tried. Here's the thing. Here's the thing is, like, um, I think we're spoiled these days as far as wrestlers go, because you'll have, you'll have guys getting the ring and people will be like, and, and, and people will be like, Oh, this match was so bad. It was terrible. It was rotten, you know, but it's like, man, Mr. Hughes is a bad <laughs> yeah. wrestler. That is a bad, yep. that is a, a primordial bad wrestler. So <laughs> you have yeah, no good. idea if you're like going, if, if you look at a guy like, and not necessarily my favorite wrestler as far as his work, work rate grows, but, you know, a lot of people like to crap on Braun Strowman these days. Yeah. I would challenge them 
to go take a look at some of Mr. Hughes's work and then be like, oh, oh, this is what a bad wrestler is. You know, I'm not saying Braun Strowman is, you know, the, the next coming of Luthez, but, yeah, right. you know, he's not Mr. Hughes. Well, you know, he, he he's no Kenny Omega, you know, who, yeah, who, sure. who, who, by the way, the Internet has dubbed the greatest wrestler in the world. So <laughs> it, it, it's got to be true. true. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, I'm sorry. I just got to point that out. But we go to the back with mean Gene Okerlund standing by with Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji. They make sure to get a shot of a boombox playing Yokozuna's theme for some damn reason. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'll say this. I don't know if it was his theme or just some random Japanese tune. And I'm like that you would hear in like a spa. And I'm like, what? Like, is that him like getting Zen or something? Like, I, I, what the hell is going on? Just <sighs> atmosphere, ambiance. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but uh, Mr. Fuji tells Bret Hart that Yokozuna already beat him. And as for Hulk Hogan, he's taking on a completely different Yokozuna tonight than the one he met at WrestleMania 9. Well, yeah, he's not taking on a guy who just wrestled 20 minutes. So anyway, Yokozuna says something in Japanese and then tells Hogan that him and America are going down. Just... <laughs> I, I did point out just looking at Yokozuna here when they did the close up of his face. I don't know why I never realized when I was younger that he was clearly Samoan. Well, because because you were young enough to believe everything that WWE was giving you. So that's all right. I know. Yeah, because when when they finally said, you know, when I finally found out he was Samoan, I was like, what? He's mm-hmm. not Japanese. It's like, no, dude, effing look at him. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway. The next match was Bam Bam Bigelow taking on Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Again, when I see Hacksaw Jim Duggan, I just strap in for mediocrity. Yeah. (laughs) This was another quarterfinals match in the tournament. It went about five minutes, which is four minutes too long. Duggan is wearing a singlet at this point. He's still pretty over for the crowd, so I'll say that about him. Heenan craps on Jim Ross for bringing up Duggan's amateur wrestling credentials. And he's like, who cares? He's a professional wrestler. God dang it. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) In the end, Bam Bam moves out of the way of the three-point stance tackle, leading to Duggan hitting the turnbuckle and dropping. Bigelow then hits a flying headbutt off the top rope for the pinfall win. This was Duggan's final WWF pay-per-view appearance until Taboo Tuesday 2005. There's some trivia for you. There's, There's some trivia. This was bad. This was just a bad match. This was not good. It, this was right. just bad, 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 bad. Uncle Dave said, quote, Duggan is awful, but what else is new? He gave it a quarter of a star. It's, I gave it a star and a half. Yeah, no, days. it's it's just bad. Just something that's like, get off my TV as soon as possible. It just was not good. The, yeah. I, there, I, there's not much more to break down than that. And, you know, Bam Bam is he's a decent worker. He's a good worker. I love Bam Bam, yeah. Uh, Duggan is Duggan just drags you down to his level. What can you do? Yep. I've never seen a Jim Duggan match and thought to myself, God dang, that was a good watch. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> just, I agree. Outside of the outside of the pops and the you know, the flags and the chants and stuff, yeah. Well, and I'm sure him, you know, waving the American flag and chaining USA really got over with you. 
Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> I still think about it today. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it warms the cockles of your little heart. Oh, I, no, I'm sure you popped hard when he joined Team Canada in WCW, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> I right. yes, that 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 all ma- that makes up for all the years. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that that was great. He just pulled a title out of a dumpster. He's Canadian now. You know, you know he's it's great. <laughs> But anyway, we now go to the back with Terry effing Taylor standing by with the smoking guns and the Steiner brothers. The guns put each other over and talk about their finisher, the revolver. Uh, Scott Steiner says that the Frankensteiner is going to be their key to victory. And Rick Steiner says something about being the biggest dogs in the ring. And then he barks. Uh, And when and this this was at the time where Rick Steiner was the crazier of the two Steiners. Yeah, right. <laughs> I always, um, and it's like, I'm not trying to offend anybody with it, but it's like the only thing I could think of when he, t- like if anybody goes back and watches his old NWA, WCW promos, he sounds like he has special needs when he cuts <laughs> his promos. Because he's just, he's like, well, you, you were, we're going to clothesline you and then we're going to, Steiner line, and then, you know, we're going to beat you. I'm like, uh, are you Bobcat Goldweight? Like, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with him. You had him there just for like a minute. He was, he was scared. He was like flinching. His face went. Ah. Well, and and then to further the, you know, the he has, you know, problems. At one point, they had him paint a face on his hand and talk to it. Oh, that's right. That was a. I remember that. That's right. That's right. Alex, I think what that he was called a, his hand. That is Alex the hand. Yeah, it was yeah. a weird one. It just uh, looking back at it, all I can think of is Cartman painting uh, Jennifer Lopez on his hand. (laughs) (sighs) There's a South Park reference for you. Anybody out there? Anyway, during Lex Luger's posing in front of a mirror in the ring before his match, Bobby Heenan does his best John Madden impression by drawing circles on the screen around Luger's muscles. They label it a brain scan. Get it? (laughs) stupid the referee then decides that luger needs to wear an elbow pad over Mm -hmm. the steel plate in his forearm or he will be disqualified people that don't know the backstory he got into a motorcycle wreck and had to get a steel plate in his forearm and his gimmick was he was knocking out people with it so there you go that's a weapon you can't take away no that's nope you can't do anything about it it's surgically surgically inserted what are you gonna do yeah, right. Uh, put an elbow pad on, pal. God dang it. <laughs> but this next match was the narcissist Lex Luger taking on Tatanka, or as they refer to him, the Native American Tatanka. Mm-hmm. You know, in case you got him confused with the French Canadian Tatanka. For instance, yes. <laughs> yeah, you you, you right. want to make sure that the nationalities are down pat. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. In case, just in case. Just in but case. This was, so this was another quarterfinals match of the King of the Ring tournament. Went 15 minutes. Luger throws Tatanka out of the ring and then poses more. But Tatanka gets back in and throws the big mirror on top of Luger to start the match. In the middle of the match, we get Bam Bam Bigelow's picture in picture telling mm-hmm. us that he wants to get his hands on, quote, the Indian in the next round of the tournament. Yeah, the, how things have changed. Yeah, that's uh. Well, I mean, I think it was WrestleMania uh, 11, I want to say, where somebody called him the Cigar Store Indian. So mm-hmm. that was, mm-hmm. uh, that was uh, 
something. something. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Nothing uh, like a little casual racism. You know, it's like that's all it yeah, takes. Right. Uh, this one didn't suck, but it's not going to be an either man's career highlight reel. No. Uh, in the end, the time limit expires and both men are eliminated. This means that Bam Bam Bigelow gets a bye in the tournament. Yeah. I so, mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't a bad match. It had a lot of like it had drama to it, you know. And yeah. And, and the thing is, is that there was nothing really spectacular about it. You know, when you have guys and gals who reminisce about the old days when it was like, oh, the wrestlers today, they're all over the place. They're doing acrobatics and doing all sorts of stuff. And they're always trying to do something wilder to kill themselves. You know, when you look at a match like Lex Luger versus Tatanka, 93, where the the move sets are so sparse, there's not much going on. And yet yeah. the heat is there. The people are popping They're you know, there's a case to be made, you know, but at the same time, like anything, wrestling evolves. Everything changes, yep. you know, interests, interests evolved, just like in any kind of form of entertainment. Everything changes. But it, it is interesting yep. when you look back then and, you know, Lex Luger is dropping just, you know, elbows and people are boo, <laughs> they're, you know, they're getting up and they're wow. OK, um, yep. That's it's a whole other it's a whole other perspective. Well, Uncle Dave gave this two and a quarter stars. I gave it an even two. What say you? I, I'd go with three. There was a, there was like, really? the, the you know, I, I'd go with the, the audience really made this match. Yeah. Yeah. The, the audience cared. I'll say that. Yes. And I've always liked both of these guys. I don't know if I like them working against each other, but I like them. So it, it is what it is. Uh, after the match, Lex Luger grabs the microphone and tells Tatanka he want he was close to beating him and he wants five more minutes. The fans and Tatanka want it, but the ref says no. Luger takes off his elbow pad and knocks Tatanka out with a running forearm to the side of the head. Apparently, the reason they did this draw, by the way, is because they booked themselves into a corner. Neither both men were on an undefeated streak and they didn't mm-hmm. want to end it here. So you get the tie. There you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, after the match, we go backstage with Mean Gene Okerlund standing by with Mr. Perfect and Bret Hart. Mean Gene stirs the pot, asking if Bret wanted to face Mr. Perfect because he thinks he's an easier opponent. Wasn't that great? I was like, what "What are you doing, Gene? (laughs) Gene is just like he's poking the bear, right? He says... Um, then why, why did you say you wanted to face perfect, Brett? Is it because you think he's an easier option? I'm like, Gene! And he keeps going with it. And every time Brett was like, well, no, I meant, you know what? He's like, well, I mean, did, did you really? And it's like, what the hell, man? What are you, what, what are you doing here? But like, you, know what the, you know what the greatest outcome, the greatest thing that came out of this, the, 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 the ultimate outcome of this is that it, it turned into a my dad can beat up your dad thing. Uh, yes, that was my that was my favorite part of this whole thing. Uh, I like how they actually uh, recognized it's like, hey, we're both second generation because they didn't always bring up Larry, you know, Larry the Axe. No. So that that was something they kind of kept. It was like every once in a while they it's like, oh yeah, his uh, his dad was a wrestler. You know, I mean, Brett obviously they beat it home about his family, but uh, yeah. So either way, uh, yeah, Brett tried to deny it. Perfect got heated here. Uh, Perfect says that his dad could beat Brett's dad on his best day and says that after SummerSlam, he owns or he owes Brett. 
This was oh, so man. good. It was one of the best. You know, like we're gonna talk about the match, right? Which is one of you know the greatest, I think, in WWE history. It's easy a top twenty. Like I'm being generous, you know, but oh, there's, yeah, always, it's, it's there's always room to argue, right? Yeah. But like like when you consider like even this interview, even the lead-in to this great match was great. Yes, you know, it was, like there, I loved was it. everything was spot on. Yes, for sure. I I, I loved it. I loved it. And getting into the actual match, uh, like you said, it was one of the greats. And we'll talk about it here. It was Brett the Hitman Hart versus Mr. Perfect in the WWF King of the Rings semifinals. It, it went just shy of 19 minutes. This could have been the finals right here. Mm-hmm. And I would have like, uh, it, like, just end the show right here, man. This is this is it. But I did find it a a little funny that Jim Ross said that both Brett and Kurt's dads were, quote, big brawling wrestlers. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I don't think anyone ever described Stu Hart that way. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't describe him as big. Wouldn't describe him as a brawler. But no. even even he would have been what in his 60s at this point. Uh, at least. Yeah, I, I would say probably about 60s. Yeah, even in his 60s, I wouldn't dare say that to his face. You know, it's like, no. it's like Stu, you can be whatever you want to be because you're you're just going to twist me in a pretzel and leave me for dead. So. Hey, uh, how about you uh, come on down to the basement? I'll uh, show you a couple of olds. Yeah. <laughs> so you, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, got, you got a good Stu impression. Thank you. Yeah, I've, uh, I, I try to squeeze in as much as possible because I've had a couple people uh, laugh about it. So, yeah, got to <laughs> And then Greg always eggs me on something. He's like, ah, don't worry. They'll give the rhino a job soon. <laughs> like, hey, he's, uh, he's doing pretty good. Yeah, you got a you spot for the rhino. <laughs> <laughs> for anybody that doesn't know, that's Jim Neidhart. So he always yeah. called him the rhino. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, but anyway, I didn't take a whole lot of notes on this one because it's just like, what are you going to say? After a phenomenal match, Mr. Perfect rolls Brett up with a small package, but Brett reverses the pile and gets the three count on Mr. Perfect. Uncle Dave gave it four and a quarter stars. I gave it an even four stars. Uh, what say you? Oh, I'm, me. It's one of my favorite matches of all time. It's a it's a five star. It's a five star for me. I, it, it you know this this is this is your quintessential Bret Hart match. This is the one. Yeah. That, this is the one where. Everyone who freaks out and says and keeps talking about how fantastic bread is, this is the one you have to show them. This is the one that you go to. Yeah, um, this is one of the top. Uh, absolutely. At least like, three. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Like, you know, the, probably the the uh, Steve Austin match tops oh, this one. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. but, you know, it, I mean, this was just so crisp, you know, just snappy and, and precise, right? It, that's the thing is that yeah. these guys are just the and, and not just Brett Hennig is the same way. They just zero in on something and there's a, and they do it and there's no wasted movement. There's no sloppiness. You know, it, you know, as they used to say in the day, scientific wrestling at its best. Yeah. You know, and yeah. Uh, and it's not like they didn't bump. You know, there was a there was a bump on the railing at some point onto a Pepsi crate. It couldn't have felt good. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, we get we get superplexes. We get all, you know, um, and, you know, oftentimes for me, it's the little things, you know, it's the little things that make that make watching someone so great. Just a little detail. And they kept pointing out how beat up Brett was because he was limping. He had uh, taped mm-hmm. up fingers 
So, and he still, I mean, he was the Iron Man here tonight. That was, so. And that was the point I wanted to bring up. He went for the fingers because that's what Razor Ramon uh, uh, worked on in the first match. So everything worked. The story they tell about Bret Hart throughout this tournament cannot be, you, you can't get the ending you get of this tournament without this match happening smack dab in the middle of the pay-per-view. Like, from a purely right. storytelling perspective, Brett going up against Razor Ramon, who works his fingers, works his hands, crushes his hand. He works a t- near 20-minute match with Mr. Perfect, exhausts himself, like, works, cardio, limbs. He, you know, Perfect works his, his legs. Like, he's, he's, in, he's in trouble. So when he does get to the main event, when he does get to the finals, and fucking Bam Bam gets a bye, you're like, you're already rooting for Brett. Right. Well, and after the match, uh, we, Mr. Perfect rolls out of the ring and he shouts, that was bullshit. <laughs> Clear as day. Uh, I, I love that. Like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, 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 I know they loosen up a little bit on pay-per-views, so I'm sure he was like, ah, whatever. But either way, he, uh, he gets back in the ring. He shakes Brett's hand and he walks off, which that, that was pretty cool. Yes. Uh, but now we go back to <laughs> this goofiness uh, is me and Gene Okerlund backstage with Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart. The camera zooms in on Jimmy's jacket that's airbrushed with Hogan's face on it <laughs> during this promo. <laughs> uh, Hogan says, quote, there's no water around us. There, there will be no sneak attacks. So I'm assuming he's referring to Pearl Harbor. Yes, he is. Which, you know, happened 50 plus years before this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. God dang it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> anyway, when Jimmy Hart talks, his promo ends up becoming the lyrics of Hulk Hogan's American Made theme in WCW. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. You're right. I, yeah. You know, I, I wonder if he was, you know, he when he when he when he sat down to write the theme for WCW, maybe he just like went back to this promo and took some notes. Or maybe he, he was to... already working on it right at this yeah. point, because Hogan left about what ten months later, something to that effect. Right. Well, he probably I'm going to assume he like, you know, because sometimes back then people would like they would carry around a legal pad, and write down little promo notes, whatever. Sure. So maybe he did that. And then he went he was like, man, what are, what are the lyrics going to be? And he saw that. and He's like, perfect. Hogan then asks what Yokozuna or excuse me, asks Yokozuna what he's going to do when the largest guns run wild on him. <sighs> I just love the America versus Japan feud in 1993. <laughs> Right. You know, like and at and at some point, you know, it it, not to get too historical slash political necessarily with it, but you know, sure, Pearl Harbor, absolutely. Uh, you know, sneak attack, never and no one ever saw it coming. One of the uh, greatest uh disasters in American military history, at least in recent military history. But but then the US dropped a atomic bomb on the Japanese so I think I think it's okay to just let it slide ah, but this one is for the WWF World Heavyweight title it's Hulk Hogan with Jimmy Hart defending against Yokozuna with Mr. Fuji this one went about 13 this was Hulk Hogan's final WWF pay-per-view appearance until No Way Out 2002 mm-hmm uh, at one point, these two get into a nearly three-minute bear hug spot. That was fun. But the live crowd was hot for it. 
So who am I to talk crap, I guess, you know? I hate bear hugs. So I've do always I. hated well, at least not always. That's untrue because at some point I'm a child. But yeah, <laughs> right. Once once you get you get into the age of reason. Yeah. And you look at a bear was, hug and you're like, what the guy who is in the hold, right? You're screaming at your TV saying, Poke him in the eye. Yeah. Punch, Punch him. him. Yeah. Knee him something. There's yeah. there's so many things you can do to get out of a bear hug. Stop it. And Hogan is not above eye rakes, even no, as a baby not. face. So <laughs> Yokozuna manages to kick out of Hogan's big leg drop. Mm-hmm. Then in the end, a random photographer gets up on the apron because there were a bunch of, they said, Japanese photographers were all around there, the Japanese media. And this guy who looks like he's going to go out like, uh, I, I don't know, gigging frogs or something. He's got something over his. So I don't know, like beekeeping. I don't even know. But you can't see who it is. It's a photographer gets on the apron with his camera. Hogan comes over. It's like, what what's going on, brother? And. When he snaps a picture, a fireball shoots out of the camera into Hogan's face. That was something. Uh, Yokozuna throat chops Hogan down, hits a leg drop of his own, and pins him for the win. Apparently, that referee, who they never did reveal the identity, by the way, it was uh, Harvey Whippleman. The the photographer. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, the, the photographer was Harvey Whippleman. Uh, they never did say it. It did, never played into anything. They were just like, yeah, forget it. Nobody cares, which is a WWF staple, it, it seems. But, uh, you know, the original plan for this was to have New Japan Pro Wrestling referee Tiger Hattori as the assigned referee, and he would help Yokozuna win by screwing o- over Hogan. Uncle Dave said about this match, quote, Hogan got the biggest reaction of the night, but whether he can still draw remains to be seen. Yeah, we'll see you again in. Well, I mean, he did draw for WCW as a face, but then he'd draw huge as a heel. So he also, by the way, compares this to the booking in Memphis with frequent title changes and angles. Sure. Uh, Wait till wait till the attitude era, buddy. But no, he's not wrong. Like like this, like especially coming off like immediately off of Brett Henning. Yeah, this stunk. This is right. not good. This this was this was what this was your your classic Hogan match, but like it was bad. a huge contrast from earlier. Now here's the here's the thing, and I, I you know I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's you do ha- there is a bit of context here that just it just it just boggles your mind when you think about what's happening. You know, in April, just a couple of months before this, you had WrestleMania nine, right? Which right. had one of the most um, one of the most questionable de- booking decisions that WWF ever made, where right. Yokozuna in the main event wins the title off of Bret Hart, but then Hulk Hogan comes out after the match, challenges Yokozuna, and wins the belt back like in a flash, right? Right. Just well, so, and and two months later. Hogan is dropping the belt ba- the belt back to Yokozuna. Now I'm I'm completely aware that this has absolutely everything to do with Vince's renegotiations with Hulk. Right? There's like there's no way that there, you know Vince was probably like, well, I'll put the belt back on you, brother. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, that was more like my Hulk impression. But pal, there you go. God dang it, pal. 
God dang it, pal, you'll get the belt back and I'll give you more money. But ultimately, Hogan was like, nah, man, I, on the other side, they're giving me more money and I'm working less dates. What are you talking about? Right. If you, you know, so uh, and so when you look at it, ultimately, it just doesn't make any sense at all. Well, you know what that that ending showed me was that where Canada failed, America, you know, picked it up. All right. OK. <laughs> all right. Of course, you could always make the argument. It's like, well, Canada softened them up for you, you know. <laughs> sure, I think I think that I, I think that's a fair assessment. I'll go with that one. You got you got the Canadian super the Canadian Superman and the American hero. Yes. And the fake Japanese Samoan. <laughs> so there you go. There's a mouthful. Right. Uh, but after the match, Yokozuna drags Hulk Hogan to the corner corner and hits a bonsai drop. Randy Savage claims that Yoko just, quote, crushed the American dream. Mm -hmm. Well, well, no, Dusty's over at WCW right now. Uh, I'm sorry. But Jim Ross claims that children are crying because of this. They they then show shots of children in the crowd who are indifferent at best. (laughs) (sighs) Agents come out to help the Hulkster to the back as Yoko celebrates with the WWF title in the ring. As he should. Right. And he gets pictures with the quote unquote Japanese media and all that (laughs) stuff, which I'm sure was just a huge thing over there. Not. But we go back to Terry Taylor backstage, the stooge of all stooges, the original nephew to Uncle Dave, Terry Taylor. (laughs) I'm sorry, I give him crap, but I've made it known I'm a Terry Taylor fan. Sure. For what what that's worth. Yeah. There's a lot to love about Terry Taylor. Oh, he's he's a, he was so underrated in the ring. But that's that's beside the point. Either way, he's standing by backstage with Mr. Perfect to ask him how he feels after losing to Bret Hart. How the hell do you think he feels? Mad. <laughs> Perfect says that he hurt his back and fingers in the match with Bret, and he imagines that Bret isn't feeling good either. He ends the interview by saying to keep your eyes on Mr. Perfect. Yeah, because you're going to. Uh, take a um, what, the, the Lloyds of London settlement here before long and yep. stay in the ring. And then you're going to go to WCW and uh, wrestle again. So there you go. Either way, we now go to mean Gene Okerlund backstage with Shawn Michaels and his new large body. Gene asks Shawn if uh, he thinks that two titles could switch hands tonight. And Shawn says that Hulk is a dinosaur that got gobbled up by Yokozuna. Mean Gene asks Michaels flat out who his bodyguard is, what his name is, and Sean says his name is Diesel, and he's a Mack truck ready to run everyone over. There did you go. Know, did you know that Shane McMahon came up with the name Diesel? No, I did not. That's interesting. because yeah, they were trying to come up with a name for him. They were like, what the hell do we call him? And he said, Diesel. And they were like, like a truck? And they are like, no, like, you know, when you're, when you're like real buff and huge, you're, you know, they say you're Diesel, you know? They're like, okay, we'll go with that. Sure. But anyway, uh, yeah, a little factoid there for you about Kevin Nash. But this next match, man, the smoking guns of Billy and Bart Gunn and uh, they are teaming up with the Steiner brothers of Scott and Rick taking on Money Inc. of Ted DiBiase and IRS and the head shrinkers of Fatu and Samu. They've got Afa in their corner. Oh, man, a whole lot of people in this match I couldn't give a damn about. It was an eight man tag team match. That went just shy of seven minutes. I'm joking. I care more about 
I more people in this match I care about than not, but either sure. way. <laughs> One tag team on either side, by the way, was just in WCW a few years before this. And by that, I mean the, the Steiners and the Head Shrinkers slash Samoan SWAT team, whatever you want to call them. Jim Ross breaks kayfabe at one point and admits that IRS is Mike Rotundo. <laughs> oh, man. And they grill him for that. In the end, DiBiase releases the Million Dollar Dream on Billy Gunn at one point for whatever reason so that he could mock his partners. And then Billy gets a quick schoolboy pin on DiBiase mm-hmm. for the win. This was Money, Inc.'s final WWF pay-per-view match and DiBiase's second-to-last WWF pay-per-view match, with his last being his loss to Razor Ramon at SummerSlam. Uncle Dave said, quote, nothing to it as a match. Rick Steiner never even tagged in. He gave it a star. I gave it two. What say you? Um, <clears throat> the only note I took about this match was <laughs> why did why did Ted let go of the million dollar dream? Why? Do you yeah, want do you want to win the match idiot, or not? You know? No, he wants to mock him. No, I know, but the, see, this is the thing that <laughs> this is the thing that bugs me. You know, that ultimately always irks me. It's like, you know, where it's like, why didn't he pin him? Oh, he just wanted to make fun of him. Look, you're a professional fighter, right? This is what right. you do for a living. You win matches, you make right. more money. That's how it goes. That's always how it uh, how it goes. If if you're not closing a match when you have the opportunity to. I can't get behind it. It's a level of psychology that I don't understand. Oh, well, it's because he's arrogant. If he's arrogant, let him get the win. What is more arrogant than being able to say, I beat you clean in the ring? I mean, like the psychology, but but this is very, very personal. But I don't understand it. If you want to do a post-match angle, go knock yourself out. Like, you know, beat downs and whatnot. That's something I can get behind. But... Oh, he, he just wanted to make fun of his opponents. Why? <laughs> right. That's my rant. <laughs> man, that's uh, there you go, man. But uh, but after the final bell rings, everyone hits the ring to brawl. The heels take powder as the baby faces Agamon. So there you go. Nothing to this. No. But. But we now go to the back with me and Gene Okerlund standing by with Yokozuna, Mr. Fuji, and WWF President Jack Tunney. Uh, he's uh, he's Canadian, so there you go. <laughs> he this, is uh, the, Toronto the, territory. Yeah, the, the Tunneys are apparently a big deal up in Canada, or were. I don't were, know. yes. Yeah, right. Uh, Japanese photographers are taking f- pictures of, uh, or taking pictures and Japanese music is playing in the background again off of that boombox. Uh <laughs> Tunney congratulates Yokozuna, and Mr. Fuji says that Hulk Hogan went down. He says, America and Hulk Hogan is finished. Now, Yokozuna is the new WWF champion. Very good. Uh, uh, Mr. Fuji gives a shout-out to some Japanese prince. I didn't even know Japan had princes, but there we are. And he says that they will be celebrating tonight. Sure. Uh, again, didn't know Japan had royalty, but, uh, you know, you learn something new every day. All right. This next match is our second title match of the night. It is for the Intercontinental title. Shawn Michaels with Diesel in his corner defends against Crush. This match went about 11 minutes, 14 seconds. Growing up, this was always my favorite look for Crush, only because of the WWF Royal Rumble Super Nintendo video game. Ah, yeah. Good call. Yeah, that was so I just thought that was Crush. And then I was like, wait a minute. He was part of Demolition. 
<laughs> so I, yeah, I had no idea. Anyway, there were uh, four epic mullets in and around the ring for this one. Mm-hmm. Sean, Crush, Diesel, and the ref. <laughs> this was this was something. I swear Shawn Michaels spent more time outside the ring than inside of it. In the end, Doink marches to the ring while smoking a cigar. He has a lookalike following him, also smoking a cigar. This distracts Crush long enough because he's apparently an idiot <laughs> for for Shawn Michaels to super kick him in the back of the head and then pin him to retain the IC title. Uncle Dave said, quote, this match was tough because Crush doesn't work well with others. Plus, they'd already burned off all the big versus little stuff in previous matches. Also, he claimed that uh, Hogan just lost two matches ago, and they're already burying his finish because Crush hit a big boot into a leg drop and Sean kicked out, which I, I did notice. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Um, uh, I, I don't have many notes for this match. I noted that I, I, I this is probably top three Crush matches in, in <laughs> WWE. Yeah. You know, it isn't saying much, but he worked hard. Like, this. Yeah. you can't complain about the work here. They told a good story. Uh, at the same time, they were taking the opportunity to put over Diesel, uh, you know, as a threat or as, you know, the the the, the heater, I should say. Yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of moving parts here. But, man, the cigar smoking doings, I'm like, ah, oh, all right. <laughs> you, know, you know, WWE has always gotten in the way of WWE. And, I but, mean, to, to be fair, I hate that expression, but here we go. To be fair, I mean, this was still the best version of doink. This was, oh, this was yeah. This was the best the original concept behind doing you liked it, but yeah, Krusty it, the clown, basically there you go. Uh, but uncle Dave gave this a star and a half. I gave it two and a half. I thought it was at least average. What say you? Yeah, it's, I think it was, I, I'd give it a 2.5. Cause I really thought everyone worked <laughs> right. really hard. I thought they worked really hard. Same here. Right. And then after the match, the doinks take off to the back and crush gets up and just bolts after him. <laughs> so I wonder what happened there. Or which one he caught. I don't know. Either way. <laughs> we're going to take our second to last break here. When we come back, we're going to get into the main event of the night and all the wrap up. We'll be right back after this. Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector. This is Delvin Cox hosted a Delvin Cox experience. And I want to say happy one year anniversary to the main event marks. And that's the bottom line because Delvin Cox says so. Peace. Fubo TV offers you live sports and TV without the overpriced cable. Fubo TV offers 100 channels, live and on demand, plus over 130 streaming in 4K, and a cloud DVR is included. The Fubo TV app is available on all smart devices, so you can watch what you want, when you want. There are no hidden fees, and you can cancel any time. Cut the cord and sign up for your free trial at Fubo.tv today. Fubo TV is a sponsor of the main event Marks and Unhinged Sports Network. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. 
That's reliabilityinvestment.com. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. All right, we are back. And speaking of which, we go to the back yet again with me and Gene Okerlund standing by with Bam Bam Bigelow, who's smacking himself and getting really intense. Mean Gene lays out how Bam Bam got a bye in the last round, whereas Brett wrestled two long matches already tonight. Bam Bam didn't say anything of note, so I didn't take any notes. But here we are with this one. It's Bam Bam Bigelow versus Brett the Hitman Hart for the WWF King of the Ring Finals. It went 18 minutes, 11 seconds. The announcers point out that not only has Brett wrestled for a combined 30 minutes tonight, but he's limping and his fingers are taped up. Not that I blame Brett for a little being a little slow in this one because of what I just mentioned. Sure. Uh, but he gives mo- he gives most of the match to Bam Bam, who is taking his time, just yeah. beating his ass. Eh, he really lays into Brett's back in this one, avoiding the already obvious injuries. <laughs> Which is weird, right? I'm glad you yeah. noticed that. I thought it was strange, too. It's like he's got, you know, the ribs, the hand. You've got, you know, why start working another body part? Yeah. Bam, bam. Like, Just go for anything that's already been beaten up. I know. It's like he's, he's limping. Go for yeah. the leg. Damn. Anyway, at one point when the referee is arguing with Bam Bam inside of the ring, Ludovashan comes out with a chair and hits Brett in the back with it. He's outside the ring, by the way. Uh, I forgot until this just now. I was like, oh, yeah, Luna was with Bam Bam for a while. But it's so random. It, Yeah, it really is. I think it's because of the tats on the head. When you look at it in a vacuum, you're like, what? Yeah, it's got to be because of the head tattoos. That's the only thing I can think of. (laughs) Well, finally, Bigelow hits a flying headbutt to Brett, and he pins him for the win. However, Earl Hebner waves it off. Howard Finkel messes up and says that the decision has been reversed, but then he corrects himself and says that, no, 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 the match is restarting. Because, you know, this kind of stuff frequently happens where a referee is like, hey, uh, you know, I know how we say the referee's decision is final, uh, but another referee's decision can change that. So it's not final. No, and and don't you love the irony of Earl Hebner looking, now, now that, you know, the future has already, you know, we're, we're looking back on this. Don't you just love the irony of Earl Hebner running down to the ring to reverse a decision and do good by Brett? Yeah, stop an injustice against Brett the Hitman Hart. That's that that good old Earl Hebner that could never do any wrong, and he you, sure as hell didn't get fired for selling bootleg T-shirts. Uh, no, that's what <laughs> I was I was that's, I was gonna say. He he probably came in to save Brett because Brett was. Yeah, Brett was probably making him some good money out of the trunk of his car. Right. They never did say why the match is restarting, by the way. Did you notice that? They they never say. He's just like, nope, waving it off, restart the match. Like, right. Okay, why? Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. And if you're in the crowd, uh, you're definitely not getting anything. I, I hate that. Yes. 
But I'm assuming it's due to the Luna chair shot. But again, I'm just assuming here because they don't tell us. That's probably the most logical explanation. Yes. Which this kind of stuff happens on a regular basis. Nobody says a damn word. But here we are. Either way, Brett now gets a a shot of energy when they restart the match. In the end, Brett Hart gets his famous victory roll on Bam Bam for the win. Uncle Dave gave this three and three quarter stars. I will say I hate when he does that because I'm like, what the F shaved off a quarter star? Like, you're going to get that damn granular about it. Uh, whatever. <laughs> I, on the other hand, was not a huge fan of this one. I got to commend Brett, but it was not uh, Bam Bam's finest hour. I will say I gave it two and a half stars for average. What say you? I'm probably more in the area of a 3.25, I'd say. <laughs> um, God dang quarter stars. <laughs> the, um, the, the, um, yeah, you know, because I, I, especially when you know how good Bam Bam could go, you're like, what are you doing, man? Right? It's like, mm-hmm. come on, Bigelow, light it up. We know you can. That's the thing is that we know he can right. light it up. So it's like, but this was not he, it. No, and again, I, this is you know, King of the Ring '93. It's all about Bret Hart. It's all about Bret uh, w- working the most. Out of both guys who made it to the finals, it's about him getting mangled through throughout uh, the entire tournament, um, having having great matches. So the match made sense storytelling wise. Bigelow is in control. Right. He's playing the he's playing a late '80s '90s heel where he's just like methodical, taking his time, letting the audience boom. So when Brett does mount his comeback, people get excited. Like it's you know it's basic. It's basic match structure for for the time, but then again, you're like, I, you know, it's just that's my only issue is that knowing how good Bigelow could be, you're like, man, what is he doing? Like this is this is yeah, Mr. Hughes level know. stuff that you're doing, man. Stop, stop. <laughs> this was yeah, I don't know what the deal was here. It just it didn't click. No, it didn't. And sometimes it just uh, that's the way it is. Two yeah. great wrestlers don't have good chemistry if for whatever reason. And this, it would be weird that Bret Hart would main event next year's WrestleMania. And then Bam Bam Bigelow would main event the next year's WrestleMania mm-hmm. against Lawrence Taylor. Yep. So, and he carried the hell out of Lawrence Taylor, but that was to be expected post-match. Anyway, macho man, Randy Savage hops off commentary, runs into the ring to hug Brett and then goes right back to commentary to which I went, what the hell did I just watch? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I didn't know that there was, like, a close thing between Savage and Hart. I, yeah, we, we learn something new every day, right? Either that or Macho is just looking for a spot to get himself on pay-per-view more. Like, right. he's like, I gotta get in the ring at some point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Snap into some of that camera time, dig it. <laughs> anyway... I'm sorry. That was lame. <laughs> but uh, uh, Brett goes up onto the platform up on the stage where Mean Gene Okerlund puts Brett's robe and crown on him. They came out with a, uh, a Mattel figure of this Brett with all this stuff, by the way. That, that was yes. that looked pretty cool. I never did buy it. I wish I would have. It's kind of cool looking. But either way. Now, Jerry the King Lawler interrupts Brett and Gene to tell Brett that he's a pretender. 
and that he'll be a prince in his kingdom if Brett and everyone else gets down and kisses his royal feet. Brett asks where Jerry was in the tournament and says that the only king that Lawler is is the Burger King. And I boy, love- they'd milk that one out for years. Yeah, I know. I'll and tell I- you one thing. If you weren't, like, I, w- I wasn't familiar, like, say, with the uh, with the USWA at the time, right? Uh, or, or Memphis all that much. Like I, like I said earlier, you know, I grew up watching the Montreal Territory. So yeah. I didn't know who Jerry Lawler was. Same. And he was a he was an announcer. He, he he started the year before as an announcer on Superstars. This was his, and I'm doing air quotes here, in ring debut, right? This is the first time right. he got so. And he comes in and he's already in Bret Hart's face. He's like, I'm the real king. And I'm like, who, who is this guy? Right. Why is yeah. he and king of what? Like I get it. He's the king of Memphis. You know, as as I grew <laughs> older and smarter. I get it now. That's fine. But right. I'm like, wh- but we're all expected to know this guy. We're all exactly. And it's like supposed to be this big deal where he's coming after Britain. I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. And why is he calling himself a king? And I don't like I don't understand. So I just yeah shrugged it off ultimately. But it was very strange because. Yeah, as it's. Yeah, because as a kid, I was like, did I miss something? Yeah. Like, what's so? And the funny thing was, he was a hardcore Weasley heel here in WWE back in Memphis. He's a huge babyface right now. Yeah. He's the and king. He's, yeah, he's the top babyface in the territory. He's booking. It, you know, so it's. And I guess the people in Memphis were like annoyed by it. They're like, what's going on? Because I watch you on TV and you're not this. The the kayfabe was starting to crack. Yeah. But either way, um, Hart leads the crowd in the Burger King chant as Lawler jumps him from behind and beats him down. He destroys Brett's crown. Man, those things were cheap as hell. They they yes, always they got were. beat up. And he throws the entire throne on top of him. That was awesome. I was <laughs> like, whoa. That was a great then, visual. Yeah, for sure. And then he choked Brett with his scepter. Finally, Lawler says that he's going to allow Brett to kiss his feet, quote, or kiss the feet, quote, of the only king in the World Wrestling Federation before he kicks him down the stairs of the platform. This is how the show ends and scene. And I like it. I like it because you get your good win. You get the baby face and then you lean immediately into a feud. You get a heel going, get some heat going. Oh, Bret Hart didn't get his moment. Bret is pissed. Yeah, like. It's good stuff. Uh, it, Absolutely. Everything, everything here, it just worked. It connected. The one thing you could ask yourself, though, is like, you know, a couple of minutes ago, Randy Savage was hugging Brett and has been, yeah, yeah, you know, high five him. Why didn't Randy then run back to help him out against Lawler? Like, hmm. But otherwise, everything was fine. Right. Well, and then, and that would have made perfect sense, too, because, I mean, the crowd at home didn't know this, but there was a... Going back to Tennessee, there was a feud there. Yeah. Yes, that's true. But anyway, that wraps up the show. Uh, We're going to take our last break. When we come back, we're going to tell you our final ratings for the show, and I will let you know what's coming up next week here on the podcast. Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks pod on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks and at Main Event Collector. 
Hi guys, this is Chris from Once Upon a Turnbuckle Podcast and I just wanted to say a massive congratulations to Troy and Greg for celebrating a whole year of main event marks. You guys are great, your podcast is awesome and here's to the next year and many more ahead. Enjoy it guys. Fanatics offers the world's largest collection of official sports apparel and gear from all the leagues, teams, and players that you love, including the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, NCAA, NASCAR, soccer, and golf. They even offer esports gear for the gamers among us. You can shop by brand, sport, team, or player. And if you sign up for fan cash, you get exclusive weekly deals. So head on over to Fanatics.com today. Fanatics is a sponsor of the main event Marks and Unhinged Sports Network. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show. Final ratings time. Internet Movie Database gives King of the Ring 1993 a 7.2 out of 10. Cagematch.net gave it 7.71 out of 10. They're a lot more uh, granular with the ratings. I gave it an even 8 out of 10 because I really enjoyed the show. What say you? Uh, I, I'm I'm a I'm an English major yeah so math sucks to me so i'm gonna give it a b (laughs) because i'm more familiar i'm more comfortable with letters gotcha so um, is uh so is greg yeah well there you go Uh, i think look this was a this was a fun pay-per-view like it's an easy pay-per-view to watch uh there's some there's some horrible low points you know mr (laughs) hughes jim duggan you know which are which are they're abysmal matches you know, the 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 eight man tag is just there's just nothing. It's not it's a short match. That's I think one of the reasons why we didn't just tear into it, because it's relatively short. Nothing offensive happens and you're just ready to move on. But everything is like from average to fantastic because you have yep. you have one of the legendary matches in WWE canon in 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 this on this show being Bret Hart versus Kurt Henning. I mean, you watch King of the Ring, you watch it all because of the Bret Hart story that they're telling throughout. They're rebuilding Bret after being idiots with him at WrestleMania 9. They're, <laughs> at least Vince spun around and was like, okay, well, Hogan's leaving. Uh, Bret, we're going to build you back up. This is what it was for. It was a Bret Hart vehicle, and it works. It was fantastic. I, I thought it was Definitely. a really good show. It was a, always, an easy, easy <laughs> always an easy show to watch. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely a classic. And we got to see Yokozuna kill Hulkamania in the WWF until uh, the uh, spring of 2002. Mm -hmm. There you go. 
But all right, that does it for that, man. Our one year anniversary here on the podcast. This Woo. this is the first show of our second year podcasting. It, we all started, Greg and I started this in the pandemic uh, when we were all locked down just for something to do. And well, we're having fun with it. But uh, so that wraps it up. I thank you for being on the one year anniversary, man. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for, for having me. This was this was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Talking about talking about the, the the King of the Ring, this was amazing. I really really liked it. Thank you for having me, Troy. It was a pleasure. Yeah, no problem. I'll, and uh, I'll send it back to you here in just a second, real quick. Next week on June 16th, we are covering WCW's Great American Bash 1991. This was the show where the advertised main event was Ric Flair versus Lex Luger for the world title, but Rick said sayonara and he went to the WWF. So all the posters and all the buildup said Flair. It was Wyndham. And uh, we'll talk more about that next week. And on June 23rd, we are covering the 25-year anniversary of WWF King of the Ring 1996. This was the rematch between Shawn Michaels and the British Bulldog for the WWF title from Beware of Dog. The Beware of Dog match, If now in the archives, by the way. If anybody goes back and listens, that match was not good. But this one, much better. Much, much, much better. And this was the birth of Austin 316, baby. Mm-hmm. So all that and much more. There's more to come in the month that we'll talk about next week and, and uh, further on. But Warren, real quick, before we hop off here, go ahead and uh, kind of pimp your stuff one more time, your social medias and your shows and whatnot. Why? Thank you again, Troy, for having me on. This was a, a, a fun talk. It's always good to go back and, and watch watch the stuff that uh, that got us into wrestling. It's always a good time. So thank you again for having me. Um, yep. Folks, uh, I do a wrestling podcast. <laughs> go figure. You, me, me and me and 600 other people. Thursday nights is when I record it live on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. So if you want to head on over, you can watch the podcast there. Uh, but you can also join us live Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 uh, p.m. Pacific. It's a good time. If you want to pop in, that's always great. Otherwise, you can watch it on your own uh, on demand whenever you want. Or you can listen it. To, you can listen to it on your favorite podcast app as well because the audio is available as a podcast there too. Just search for the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Uh, and uh, yeah, otherwise you can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Warren Hayes. Yeah, it sounds, sounds great. Uh, I know I'm going to start listening to your stuff because I do, you know, you talk more current product, don't you? Yes. Okay. Yeah, on I, I basically, what I do is I basically review the week in wrestling, but you know, the stuff that I, that I liked that I didn't like so much, the, 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 the big events, you know, like I don't break down every match, but I talk about Right. Good point. See, you're doing my selling for me. I talk about WWE, AEW, New Japan. Those are usually my 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 um, that that's usually my 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 uh, my triad. My uh, the the three that I usually talk about. Dabble in some some impact, some indie shows as well. Um, so yeah, if you want to talk, if you want to hear talk about the current product, how I feel things are going, uh, you head on over there. Sounds great, man. Well, and go check him out. And as always, check us out live every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. We play a replay an hour and a half after that show begins. And then we got a replay the next night at 8 Eastern, 5 Central. So you can check out a little bit of the replay and then head on over to check out Mr. Warren Hayes at 9 p.m. Thank you again, Warren. And we will see you all next week 
for Great American Bash 1991. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks, Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Uh, been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com.